friends. Welcome back to Thanks, Morris. I am Marie, the SLP, and it sounds like I got my intro the way I want it. Okay, a couple of things before we dive into this amazing episode with my friend Courtney from HOH Speechy. The Say Thanks More Journal 2.0, the next journal in the shop, is going to be out tomorrow. So if you're listening to this episode the day it comes out on Tuesday, January 19th, 2021, then you know that tomorrow, Wednesday, pre-sales start for the next Say Thanks More journal. Of course, the original option is still there for you if you're shopping for a gratitude journal, but I have created a second one. And I just wanted to share this now because I'm super stoked. You can find out more info over on Thanks Morris um, on Instagram. All right, now that that's out of the way, I am so excited to share that Courtney from HOH Speechy is here. She is talking all things being a hard of hearing speech pathologist as well as a military spouse and the specific population populations that she works with and how being hard of hearing has impacted her job as an SLP and has given her this wonderful perspective as she makes connections with her clients and their families. So let's talk to Courtney. Thank you for joining me, Courtney. Um, I'll have you just share a little bit of your background as a speech pathologist, um, where you're working now, maybe your uh, undergrad or grad school experience or CF experience, just to give listeners a little idea before we jump right in. Yeah, so I did my undergrad in Kansas State because that was my alma mater. That's where I always wanted to go. That was my dream school. And then for graduate school, I went to University of Central Missouri. And it's, I'm laughing now because I found myself back in Missouri and necessar- wasn't necessarily planning on that. Um, I did my CF year starting in 2019 in the fall and started in the schools. I really loved that. Like I loved the school culture. I loved working with our SPED teams. It was fantastic experience. It was back in my home district because I chose to live at home for a year while I was waiting to get married, while my husband was deployed. Like there was a lot going on. So I decided to stay home for that. And I also had had a lot of great connections already Um, having worked as a speech para over a couple of summers. So I already knew and had some rapport with some of the SLPs in the district. And then uh, March hits and we're told one day that to pack all our stuff up because we're going to leave for a week. And then COVID hit and went to virtual and just totally had to shift a lot of what I was doing, a lot more like paperwork and check-in with parents as opposed to therapy And then, you know, it came time for me to move. I was supposed to get married in June. So my plan was to go in July, go and start working at a private practice here where I am now. And then our wedding, we had to postpone. So I ended up starting my job in July anyways um, at a private practice where I work with a lot of, um, I work with early intervention, you know, school age, and I do have an adult client as well. So there's a good variety there and um, then was able to get married in August and settling in a little more with the private practice side now Um, even though I do miss the schools it's been a nice kind of change to see what um, you know both worlds have to offer so yeah I love that you have that uh, perspective that's something that I'm 
like, I'm really interested in learning more about private practice, maybe one day opening up my own, but it's hard because I've been in the schools now for four years and I'm kind of like, I love my position there. Like you said, I love the team and I kind of haven't wanted to take that leap away yet. Um, But I know, you know, it's still pretty early on in my career. It would be a good idea to at least have some kind of maybe, you know, even pick up a, a couple of clients for, through a private practice, you know, after school or something, because I do think our job, there's so many different aspects of it. Um, and I think early, the earlier on in your career, kind of like how you're doing it, the better in terms of figuring out maybe where, like what you like, or even, you know, it could be later on in your career where you're like, you know what, I'm going to try and change it up because we have that opportunity, um, which is really cool about being a speech pathologist. So, yeah. And that's, um, for me, I'm a military spouse. So that we're pretty much immediately like thrown into having to adjust to new places, finding new places to work. Like I saw myself still in the schools when I was starting to look for jobs here and the market just wasn't as great down here. So I, you know, had an, saw an opportunity with a private practice and was like, all right, I'll try this, like see how it goes. And I've really started to enjoy working with the private practice population because there is so much variety. Um, and that's just been, it's been a kind of a whirlwind transition um, because I was so used to the schools and, you know, I spent a lot of time during graduate school in the schools and I thought schools was where I was going to be for a long time. And then, you know, kind of had to do a 180 and, you know, who knows, like the next place where we move, we might end up um, going, I might end up doing home health or something. It's hard to say what will happen. Right. So. Right. And that's all, you know, <laughs> I know we say it a lot, but SLPs, one of our superpowers is flexibility. And for you, it sounds like you really have to exercise that flexibility. Um, but it's awesome that you, you're willing and that you can't, that we can, right? So, uh, yeah, I love it. And you also have another unique perspective, which I want to, um, talk a little bit about, uh, as far as I know, we talked a little bit on Instagram in our DMs about you being an SLP with hearing loss. And so I wonder if you would touch on that a little bit more and how how that's impacted you as an SLP, but also maybe the perspective it brings you and the connections you can make through that. Yeah, so I have been living with bilateral uh, moderate to severe hearing loss since I was uh, two and a half was when I was diagnosed. I think I probably lived with it my whole life. That's just when it was diagnosed and my parents kind of, um, you know, discovered that I wasn't as verbal as my sister was. My sister's a lawyer, so she's very verbal. (laughs) Um, So... They kind of noticed that maybe something was not quite right, you know, did the speech evaluation, had my hearing tested, and then I was fitted for hearing aids um, because I did have that hearing loss. And really throughout school, I was always like the only one with hearing aids, the only one with an FM system, which, you know, is a little weird when you're going through school, but I you know, felt like I had it pretty normal. And I had a group of friends who embraced me. And 
you know, really just, I think I was always trying to, part of it was I was trying to one-up my sister and like do all these things and stay busy. And um, that's continued into my adult <laughs> life. Um, and I, so actually my journey to graduate school is a little interesting because I wanted to go into deaf education for undergrad. That was something I thought I was going to be a teacher you know, that was the thing. And I did a mentorship in high school with a deaf and hard of hearing preschool like I had been in when I was in preschool. And I just realized I was like, teaching is not for me, like teaching, you know, being in the, with the same kids all day. And I shadowed an SLP and I'm like, okay, this is pretty cool. And, um, you know, I considered the cost of going out of state for a private school and you know just looking at the program for deaf education and I just you know it just wasn't going to work out in K-State being my dream school like they didn't have a program for deaf education so I pivoted and you know went and talked to the advisors at K-State and you know got information about the program and was like all right you know this is this is the direction I'll go. So I stuck with um, CSD my whole time um, in undergrad and then graduate school admission time hit and I applied for multiple schools. And I'll be honest, like my GPA wasn't where it should have been and had a really hard time getting in, you know, acceptance. So I kind of was starting to look into deaf education again um, for a graduate degree. Um, and do like an online program and decided to kind of go that route. And then out of the blue, I got a call from my um, graduate school and they offered me a spot literally a week before graduation. So I'm like, I think this is a sign <laughs> to go this way. Um, and as far as like being, having hearing loss, while I've been, you know, in school and now practicing like I feel like it's helped me to connect with clients with hearing loss a lot um, because they can look up to me like, oh, she's experiencing similar things that I experience. Um, I've worked with two kids who've had cochlear implants, which I don't have a cochlear implant, but that's been really interesting to learn about and just have that relatability um, piece with it. And I think the parents of those children have also just appreciated like having my perspective and like seeing where their child can go because when you get that diagnosis I think for a lot of parents they're like you know every parent dreams that their child is going to be an astronaut or lawyer or some big grandiose thing and then you get a diagnosis and they're just like you know what does this mean for my child so I think for um you know parents they can see okay you know there are a lot of opportunities for my child and, you know, a diagnosis or um, difficulty in an area really shouldn't limit them. Yeah. I, and I've talked about this with other SLPs. I had um, uh, Allison from, she's on Instagram. I can't think of her last name right now. I just blanked, but Allison from Allison the Human, she is an autistic SLP and we've talked about how, you know, like these, you and these successful SLPs that maybe also have um, 
a diagnosis of something where a parent is for the first time with their little child is getting these diagnoses, you know, and, and their hearts are breaking and they're in this state of grief where they, they don't think that all the things they thought of for their child are going to manifest. Um, it's got to be so, it, it's just so important, like for you to be there and say, you know, well, you know, I've, I, I've grown through, like through this with this, I guess. Um, and, and just it, I don't know. I don't have children of my own yet, so I can't imagine what it must feel like for a parent to get to connect with you over that and be able to feel like, okay, my child is going to be okay. You know, um, it's so important. And then also, like you said, for your for your students or your clients to you know get to relate to you. I actually. I was very fortunate, but it was also um, one of my biggest challenges was when I was in grad school, I got to work at the Riverside, um, uh, California School for the Deaf in Riverside, I think is what the title of the school is called. And um, I was, you know, I, I didn't ask to be placed there because I didn't know sign uh, in grad school, I didn't take ASL. Um, I hadn't worked with deaf or hard of hearing clients at all. And my um, my supervisor said, you know, I think that it's a good challenge for you. And I was like, okay, you know, I'll do it. And so for an entire semester, once a week, I was there working with the speech pathologist and taking my own groups of kids um, with cochlear implants, with um, hearing aids, and getting to learn about even just the culture. I mean, it's, it's so different. And so to have the unique position of being an SLP with hearing loss, you get to, you're a part of that culture. Whereas I know, you know, I not, wasn't, I was learning about it, but I wasn't, you know, inherently wasn't part of it because um, I didn't have that same diagnosis or, or hearing loss. And so um, it was such a great experience. It was, it was so good for me as an SLP to see and to have, you know, now when I have students on my caseload with hearing loss, I do have a little bit more background, um, but also getting to talk with you and other SLPs who are, are a part of that culture or um, have experienced more with it. It's super helpful for me. So I love that. And that's really awesome that you, that you are, sh are willing to share that with parents and students and, work with them. Yeah, I actually have found the more that I've connected, like on social media, I started a group um, called Speech and Language Hearing Professionals um, with Hearing Loss. It's somewhere around that title. And there's been multiple that have come on and shared their experiences. So one of my best friends in graduate school also has hearing loss. And um, we were hearing aids and it was always funny because we would be in our clinician's room like after sessions or in between and talk to each other and I could always talk I could always tell when she didn't have her hearing aids in because she was newer to wearing hearing aids so we would create a lot of jokes about that um but in all seriousness like there are challenges that come with being a SLP with hearing loss Probably one of the biggest things is articulation therapy. Um, when you're trying to differentiate the S and the SH, you know, some of those sounds that even for a fully hearing SLP can really trip you up. Um, and I've just had to learn how to adapt to that and 
like really hone my listening skills and course with masks and COVID that's thrown a whole nother (laughs) monkey wrench into um you know trying to listen but I use a lot of like audio recording and sessions just so I can go back um, and listen it does take more time but I also feel like it helps me catch something that I wouldn't have caught otherwise so even though there are challenges to it and like I will say going through undergrad and graduate school in those courses, Arctic and phonology, like having to segment specific speech errors and be like, okay, was that lateralized? Was this, you know, that was a real challenge, but I think it helped me to challenge myself and to be proactive and also realized that sometimes it was okay to ask for help. Um, You know, whether I needed like an amplification device or, um, you know, I needed like a peer or another SLP to listen to an audio sample with me um, just to get another perspective, I think has been something that I found very helpful for me. Yeah. And I love that you brought up that asking for help because again, I think, you know, in grad school, that's really where I learned, oh my gosh, like just as, just as a student or a future clinician, how important asking for help or asking questions is like asking for clarification and stuff like that, because, um, that's really where like sometimes the learning happens, but also when you've kind of tapped into that skill to ask for help and then you're teaching students and maybe you're, again, you're with those students that have hearing loss that you've made these connections with and teaching them to be more self, like teaching that self-advocacy piece. Like it's okay to ask for help. It doesn't make you, um, you know, it, it doesn't make anybody think less of you. It doesn't, um, I don't know. It, it's just, you, you, it's like teaching one, like, teaching them not to care about what other people might think too and ask for what they need in order to be successful and, and to enhance their quality of life in a sense. Um, And so I love that, that that's something that you found and can use now as, you know, as a practicing clinician. Yeah. And I, you brought up the great point of advocacy. Like that's something for me that is really important. And I think has even come up aware even more with COVID and everything and just health issues in general, like being that advocate for yourself when people say, you know, you may disagree with an opinion or you have a parent that comes to you and they're almost in tears because they don't know what to do, what else to do with for their child. And, you know, they're like, we've tried to talk to their pediatrician and they just aren't listening. So being that strong advocate for yourself. um, And that's one reason we've talked about this a little bit. Like I want to start my own podcast because I want to help empower not only military families and that's the population I work with now, but individuals with disabilities in general to be that advocate for themselves to, in my case, writing an email to Asha asking if they could put captioning on, you know, learning past videos. Like for me, captioning is something that's really critical for me to fully either enjoy or fully grasp content with something. I mean, I do appreciate written transcripts, but when you have live captioning right there, it makes it so much easier. 
to get what's going on, even though you may have the weird YouTube captioning that's like totally not what the person said, <laughs> but it at least is an attempt to create that understanding. So, I mean, you know, I think a lot of times people with disabilities and, you know, parents of children with disabilities are afraid to, you know, have their voice heard and to and fear some repercussion, but it's okay to say, you know, like, honestly, this would be helpful if you had this because I, like, for the example with CEUs, I love speechpathology.com because they have captioning on there. So for me, it's like, I have a much more enjoyable experience watching, um, you know, those videos and, um, you know, Asha is great and it's awesome, but that's one thing. It's just like, you know, there are people in our field who have difficulties with, you know, certain things and certain aspects. So it's important to ask for those accommodations, even though it may not have a quick and easy solution um, to it. Right. And I, um, it's just, it's funny. I feel like I could go on a whole rant about captions and how like, how necessary they are. I mean, just to start off there, I know even for my own YouTube channel, I haven't quite put them all on mine because it's every time I try, it's like, they're not there. It's like literally not what I'm saying, but mm -hmm. you know, on social media and everything, like I've been captioning stories and, and trying my best to make sure everything has that on there because if we can start even there, you know, just, all the SLPs that are on Instagram, right? Just caption your stories and start that. I guess it's like starting a trend. I mean, I don't, I don't want to belittle it like that, but it's like, okay, well, at least let's get it mainstream in that format because like, I don't know, it baffles me that Asha's, <laughs> it's that hard to get captionings through Asha because literally in the title, it's the Speech and Hearing Association. Like, why aren't we making that a, um, what am I trying, like, why isn't it just a norm to, to have everything be captioned for every population, you know, like, regardless, I don't know. Again, I could rant about it forever, <laughs> but oh, I, I could too, like, uh, yeah, I understand. <laughs> but, because um, captioning just enriches, like, I feel like for me, my experience of, you know, whether I was hearing, had hearing loss or didn't, like, it enriches my experience when I'm watching a movie. I love <laughs> the perfect example I think of is Star Wars and they have like R2-D2 makes bleep bloop sounds. Like I just love those random little captions that are thrown in there. Love and it. I think it just like for me, I can enjoy it more fully with having that extra support. Oh yeah. Um, it's funny because my, so my mom, uh, she, she and I share a Netflix account and my, my boyfriend also shares it. And my mom, they, she and her husband put captions on all that. They always change our settings because they want the captions on because I think what happens is my mom, I, my mom thinks she had hearing loss as a child, like, and it, it never went, it never got diagnosed. Um, and it was one of those, I mean, this is back in like the late sixties where her mom was trying to fight for my mom to get like an audiologist exam and it never, they just, they didn't, 
they didn't believe my grandma, basically. So my mom never really got um, any testing done for her hearing or anything like that. But as she got older, she kind of figured out how to get by because it was probably very mild. Um, and so, so I think she still has hearing loss. Like my mom talks very loud and it's almost, it's to the point where it's like, mom, I'm right here, you know? Um, and, and, but, but I, as a speech pathologist, I'm like, I, she does. Like, I think she does. Sometimes she doesn't pick up on little nuances in our language. She might not pick up on the fact that I said I have three pencils, you know, and, and things like that. Like I totally pick up on that now in my profession, but anyways, that's not even my point. She likes captions on because otherwise she has to listen to things or watch things very loud. Um, whenever I go over there, we're watching a movie. I'm like, mom, can we turn it down? So we put the captions on. So my mom can have the captions. And then her husband or whoever's watching, like, doesn't have to be like here, you know, listening loudly. And, you know, my boyfriend all the time is turning them off on our same Netflix account because he's like, I don't like the captions. Like I like to, you know, and, but personally, I've grown to really love captions. Like now that I'm used to watching Netflix all the time with captions on, like you said, I like like kind of when they're like dramatic music playing. You're like, <laughs> you're right. This is dramatic. <laughs> you know? um, but I also, in another sense, it helps me pick up on what's going on a little bit better. I'm getting, you know, I have the, the audio input. I see what's happening, but then I quickly read like, oh, he just said that. I love watching um period films like pride and prejudice mm, with yes, yes. Um, <laughs> because and they help me so much because i'm like that's a weird way to say that what does that actually mean and then i'll google it you know but it enhances my experience and so you know if we have the option to turn them off if we don't like them great but come on asha put captions on our on our <laughs> our learning videos, please. Like I'll probably, I'd probably really enjoy that. Cause I'll be honest. Sometimes like I'm, it, it's too much input and I just want to read or, you know, um, that's sometimes I'm like that even going through Instagram and watching people's videos. I'm like, Oh, there's captions. Great. I'm not turning my volume on. Like I need peace and quiet right now. So yeah, for, I think for anybody, but I think, adhering to the deaf and hard of hearing population and, and understanding, hey, there are um, speech pathologists and audiologists and people in our field who actually are deaf or hard of hearing and require these captions to get their CEUs. Hello, we're paying you um, like all this money at the end of every year. Yep. What's the issue? <laughs> like, come on. So I'll, I'll, you know, I'll sign that letter, Courtney. <laughs> get a petition going yeah um but i i liked how you mentioned like with accents like period films especially like i may totally just like get lost until having the captioning on there is nice and you know i realize like even on my own social media like not having the captioning on there i'm like this is not the most accessible if there's people i'm um, who watch my feed that is you know, that are hard of hearing or deaf and, you know, they would have no idea what I was saying. I mean, I do know sign language. I've taken a couple of courses, but I'm not fluent by any means. Like I use some basic signs and therapy, but I've lost a lot of my ASL skills, unfortunately, but that's something for me, like I'm planning on maybe hopefully in the next year or so, if I can, doing the Gallaudet offers an ASL certification so that for me is something like I've been thinking about doing um yeah. but I also understand like 
in deaf culture, sometimes, you know, wearing hearing aids is not necessarily recognized and also being a speech pathologist is also mm-hmm. causes tension for some. So I'm, you know, on one hand, it's like, I really want to connect with their community, but, you know, I've always been in this weird, like in between space. And I think a lot of people who are verbal and have hearing aids or cochlear implants feel that because they're not fully hearing and they're not fully deaf. So they're kind of in this weird, like, um, I don't know I'm trying to, how I'm trying to describe it, but like this weird in between space. So. Yeah. And, and I've never thought of it about it that way. Kind of where it's like, if you're, it's like a gray area where you're like, okay, I'm not really all the way on one side. I'm not all the way over here, but I still have these needs to, you know, be successful and, you know, I might need more help from one side or the other. Like, so that's, that's definitely got to be challenging. But again, like, that's why these conversations, they not only help me, but they're going to help other people that are listening that can keep these things in mind and have conversations about these things. So that way, you know, we can be as a profession, as a community, like, putting forth like the things that, like I said, we'll start those trends, right? Even if it has to start on social media with adding captions, like to be more accessible. Um, and so I love that, that you're very proactive about it. And um, it's awesome that you have those, you know, that perspective that you are willing to share and you're going to be putting it all out on a podcast, which I do want to talk about um, because that is going to be huge. And I think it's going to be so helpful and I can't wait to listen. So um, do you want to tell us a little bit about what your podcast, I mean, I know you kind of touched on it already, but what is your, like, what is your premise of the podcast or premises, I should say? Yeah. So um, the title that I'm planning on using is called Adapting and Overcoming with HOH Speechy. So really I want it to be a podcast for families who are going through like that first diagnosis or for individuals with disabilities. So I know a lot of podcasts try to focus on, you know, main subject areas, but I'm kind of, my message will be kind of twofold just because of where my passions are. I work in the military population currently. And even though I know I won't be a military spouse forever, I have there's, I think it's not a coincidence that through undergrad to now, I've always been close to military bases and have been in that population, whether it was like volunteering or, you know, even with my spouse now, um, I just really connect to this community and I feel embraced in the community just with how diverse it is and how amazing it is. And I my whole mission is to serve those who serve us because they've given us a lot. Uh, military families sacrifice a lot, deployments, you know, with COVID, like, you know, with restrictions and everybody's had restrictions, but a lot of military families have had really, really strong ones. Um, and I just want to be able to, because I'm medically unable to serve, to serve them in this capacity. So, providing resources on how to navigate our healthcare system because it is so different than most mm-hmm. other healthcare system navigating um, that first diagnosis. And so my hope and my plan is to have families or providers who are connected to the military community um, come and talk with me just about, you know, experiences they've had. Um, so 
so that families who are starting out in the process aren't feeling so overwhelmed. I think for me, the moment that it clicked that that was something I really wanted to do was I had a parent come in, they had just done an overseas move and they were trying to just find answers for their child and where they were, they weren't able to get those. And, you know, you do a Google search looking for speech and language uh, military resources. And I, when I did that Google search, I found minimal, like hardly anything. And I'm like, this is a population like that needs it. Like, you know, we do a lot of research in our field with TBI and service members and um, some voice therapy things. And, but, you know, our military kids have a lot of, there's a lot of, you know, family members who have difficulties, even if it's articulation or, you know, something like that. Um, and they have nowhere to start. They have no idea where to start. Then you throw in a move and they have to move a whole across the country. And then they're like, we have to start over. And so that's one reason, like I've been wanting to start that side of the podcast and then just having a platform for individuals with disabilities um, just to talk and share their resources, their experiences, um, you know, how, you know, life has challenged them with having a disability and how it's raised them up. So adapting and overcoming is actually uh, based off of the Army motto. Um, it's adapt and overcome is commonly said in our community. And um, I just wanted, I thought adapting and overcoming because living with a disability, there's a lot of things that you have to adapt to. Like I have to, simple example, I have to sit in a certain area of a classroom so I can hear a teacher. I have, and then just overcoming like so many individuals that I've worked with and clients and students, like they overcome so much, um, um, you know, in the military community as well, we have a lot of people who are overcoming a lot. Um, so, and I also just want it to be a safe platform for, you know, if we have service members who come on, because some have a really hard time grappling, you know, a new diagnosis or a hearing loss or something. So to let them know it's okay to reach out for those resources and get the help that they need. Yeah. And to like, share different stories, different voices, um, on that with, with that background. I think, I think you're going to help so many people. And I mean, I don't, it, because I don't have really, um, a strong connection with anybody in the military. I don't even think about like how much stress that must be for a family that like you said, you know, you could get moved at any time. If, one of your children has, you know, some kind of a language delay or speech um, difficulty, like how that's just added stress when there's not enough resources. So to be able to kind of provide, even if it's just, you know, in a podcast format, something for a mom or dad to listen to, um, to maybe help them feel like even just validated, like that's the start of it, just to feel like, okay, like now I can reach out and, you know, and this is who I would go to. So to be able to start providing more resources is amazing because I don't think, I mean, I know, like I'll admit, I don't think about that side of things enough. Um, and even looking at the specific population of military families is going to be amazing, but I like that you're doing 
the, the kind of like twofold thing. I think that's going to be um, really awesome and, and really helpful. So I can't wait. Yeah, I hope, you know, I have, I always think I'm like, I hope I'm not taking too much on just because it's like um, the two different facets. But I think, um, you know, it really just comes from me where I'm at in my life right now. And I just want to be able to help people where I'm at. Um, kind of like I mentioned, and, um, you know, I've kind of thought about if I do someday go back and get my PhD, which is not today, but <laughs> That'll be a good 10, 15 years down the road, but um, really looking into the military population with like continuancy of services, because um, even when I worked in a civilian school district um, last year, like seeing, I worked in a lot of title buildings and we would have students who would move from a new school or a new location um, and have to move a lot because of that. And, you know, I just made me think a lot about continuancy of care and, you know, how they're dealing with challenges when they're moving, when they're changing environments, like, it's a lot. And then within the military community, you have sometimes like a mom or dad who has to be a single parent for a while because their spouse is deployed or training and they have to be the sole person to take them to therapies. And then it's like, I've been thinking a lot about how to incorporate the deployed or in training service member, you know, with speech and language therapy, you know, through if they are able to get like video connection or audio calls, like how they can still feel like they're um, in their child's life. Cause I hear that a lot in the military community, like a parent is gone for a year and they miss a lot of their child's, you know, development and so how they can still be involved even when they're far away. Yeah, I love it. Oh man. Well, I, do you have an idea of like when your first episode will be released or are you still figuring all that out? Yeah, so I'm actually hoping to have the trailer released in the next week or two. And then I'm looking at the last week in January, um, provided all my editing and everything goes well, (laughs) because that's been fun to figure out the software. Um, Mm -hmm. But it also brings back memories of of undergrad and graduate school, figuring out the software. Um, When somebody told me the editing software they use, I was like, that sounds familiar. Right. And then I was like, oh, wait, okay, now I'm getting memories of that. Oh, how funny. (laughs) Yeah, so that's my hope, um, to have it up by the end of January, if at the latest, the first week in February, um, and I'll be putting out the promotional information, like, on my page, and um, I do have a Facebook page and Instagram handle, they're both at HOH Speechy, um, so that's how you can find me if, you know, you're interested in following up on the podcast. Yeah. And I'll put that, um, all your information too, in the podcast notes. So people can just find you and find your podcast easily. And this episode will probably come out right, not this week, but it'll be the following week. So it'll be kind of perfect. Cause then yeah, that would be perfect. You'll be getting ready for your trailer to come out or it might be out and it'll be perfect. So I'm excited. Yep. All right. Well, thank you so much, Courtney. This has been such a fun, uh, I mean, I know this isn't going to air on a Saturday, but it's been a great conversation to start a weekend off with. 
Um, and I can't wait to listen to your podcast and, you know, keep connecting over social media. So. Yeah, it's been the whole podcasting thing. Like I tried doing a blog for a while and I just noticed my blog was just dormant for like months during COVID and getting married and everything. And I just, it was not the platform for me because I was like, I'm much more, I'm sure you can tell I'm much more of a verbal thinker (laughs) and, um, I think honestly my hearing loss somewhat ties in with that because I it takes me a little longer to process things sometimes like mentally so I think sometimes having that auditory output for me it's always been something on the back of my head that it's just easier for me to get out and I loved having conversations and meeting new people like so like I've loved the couple of interviews I've had it's like you know, I've talked to a couple of physical therapists and I'm like, this is, you know, I'm like, I really enjoy this. It's nice yeah. to talk to new people and get a different perspective and um, hear their stories. And it's just like, it's like, wow, like people are actually interested in this. So I'm like, that's mm-hmm. kind of cool. So um, yeah, I'm excited to see where it's going to go. And, you know, obviously I'm just, I'm also like trying to set boundaries for myself too, because I know of some podcasters who try to get like multiple episodes out on a weekend. I know that, you know, some people have the time for that. And it's just like, I'm like props to you all because I (laughs) work four days a week and I am active in a lot of organizations. So trying to get everything in is a challenge. (laughs) Yeah. No, good. Good on you for already thinking about setting boundaries. I know when I started this podcast, I didn't. um, And I did try to get two episodes out a week. And clearly that didn't work out, which is fine. I just, you know, you scale back and you learn and everything. But it's also good to be consistent. So I kind of learned the hard way, like, okay, now I'm like taking an episode away a week, I'm losing, you know, downloads. But in the end, that doesn't matter if you're setting boundaries for yourself. Like, it's, it's the most helpful part. So, yeah, I think, yeah, right now I'm like planning to do like one episode focus on military families and then one episode more like just general disability focus just to have that consistency mm-hmm. because I'm just like, yeah, I, I would love to try to get an episode out a week, but I just know like I'm a yogi too. So like I've had to do a lot of mindset work and all that. And so, and I'm starting yoga teacher training soon too. So, um, which is basically like getting almost another certification or mini degree. And it's like time intensive. So that's why I'm like, try not to take on too much because I've always been that person who says yes to everything. And it just, I get so overwhelmed and burnt out so fast. Yeah. No. I, I understand that 100%. <laughs> so yeah, set your boundaries, but um, it'll be great. All right, friends, that concludes this episode of Thanks, Morris. Make sure you go find Courtney on Instagram at HOHSpeechy to stay updated on how her podcast is doing and when it launches. I'm so excited to support her and 
cheer her on as she launches this podcast and does so many more things. In fact, we have been talking a lot since we recorded this podcast in the last couple weeks about continuing the efforts for closed captioning and how necessary they are and kind of spreading the word. So I want to encourage you, whether it's reaching out to Asha, maybe, um, or your admin, or just using captions and speaking about how necessary they are on your own social media platforms. Um, because they really are. I did a poll actually a little bit ago about closed captionings, and it was really interesting. The first question I asked was how many people either benefit from closed captioning or require closed captioning. 95% of my followers responded that they that they find closed captioning helpful. Then I asked how many of you are using closed captioning, and about 50% said they're using it. And then I asked, like they're, um, you know, they're like me, I'll write out my captions for my stories, basically like voice to text, manual voice to text. Um, then the third question I asked is how many of the people you follow are using them? And it was like 45% or something like that. So that's really telling. If 95% of those people say it helps them, but then only 45% to 45 to 50% are actually utilizing them. That's a huge discrepancy. So friends, that's just some encouragement for you. Um, I've, you know, really love seeing everybody respond to that and start to use closed captioning. So please, please, please continue to do so. All right, friends, I'm going to stop talking your ear off. And um, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your Tuesday or Wednesday or whatever the day it is that you're listening to this. And we'll talk next week. Bye-bye.